Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo, and I have the pleasure today to have with me on the on this episode, John Reinhardt. He is the founder of Gospel Patrons. You can find a lot about what they're doing at gospelpatrons.org. More information on that on our website and, of course, uh, in this podcast show notes. But, John, why don't you say hello and introduce yourself? Let us know, really talk to our audience about who you are, why do you do this work. Tell us the story behind all this. Yeah, thanks so much, Leo. It's a joy to be with you. And uh, I, I'm the husband of Renee. I'm the follow, father of Willow and Malachi. They're 12 and 11-year-old kids and so grateful for them. And yeah, God led us on a wild adventure to start a ministry called Gospel Patrons. We didn't actually start it as a ministry. I started with a unique calling to write a few stories of business leaders who were fueling great movements of God in the past. Mm-hmm. I was a business student in, in college and went to seminary in my late 20s and was wondering what's the connection between business and the kingdom? What's the connection between wealth and, and, and the gospel? I, I didn't see it. You know, it was interesting as a, I studied at a Talbot School of Theology, got an MDiv, and we almost never talked about money. And uh, so being that I had a business background, I was looking for ways that that integrated and I didn't really know. And came across a few historical stories through a friend of a friend, as good things always happen. (laughs) Ended up going, man, these stories have to be in the world. I've never seen how God's used business leaders so powerfully in the advance of the gospel. A lot of business leaders feel like second-class Christians or like they're, they're just not quite there. They're on the JV team within the kingdom. And these stories from history showed that man, behind every great movement of God, God's going to raise up someone who's going to proclaim the gospel, someone else who's going to be the patron of the gospel, funding it, sponsoring it, supporting it, coming alongside those leaders. And it just brought together these two pieces of my background in a book. And I wrote this book called Gospel Patrons. And then God does what he does with his five loaves and two fish. He multiplies it <laughs> and it uh, continued to develop from there into a ministry. So it's been a, the last 10 years of my life. Yeah, and as I recall from your from your story, is that you printed a bunch of books. I think five thousand sold almost immediately, and then they had another run, and that sold. So obviously, this resonated with a lot of people, and you guys have been able to really expand and reach all parts of the globe with this message, and it's growing. So the movement itself is just incredible. Um, so congrats on first of all just listening to the Lord and hearing, you know, not just going the the normal path that every business or young man goes and just trying to figure it out over time, by the time you get to your 50s, maybe try to, you know, maybe figure it out at that point. <laughs> um, just so grateful that that you listened and said, no, th- there's something here I need to find the answer to. So you wrote Gospel Patrons. You also wrote Giving Together. Yeah, so You've had two books. Uh, of, and obviously, generosity is something that you're very interested in, but it's not just generosity. It's, it's what you said, is, is putting the patron with the person that's called to actually preach the message to share the gospel. And it's, I mean, it's, it's really cool. Like God to, it's just like God to do something like that, to say, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you the vision for this, but I'm also going to give you the provision and how cool that God would bring uh, the, it's a business person, someone that 
is not called to full-time ministry, right? They're not called to stay in the pulpit. They're called to run right. a business, to provide jobs, to create yeah. products. Yeah. And yet the kingdom work is still part of this person's desire and passion. Yes. And so they don't have to be in the pulpit. They have to be successful at business so they can provide the way for the others to actually fund the work of the kingdom. So it's so cool. Yeah, well, you know, we all love watching sports and teams. And, and if you're not a sports person, maybe you're a band person or an orchestra person. And we love when groups of people with different positions, different gifts come yeah. together for the greater whole. Yeah. <laughs> we just love celebrating a band, man. When they play, they rock out. Or an orchestra, when they all play together, it's just beautiful music. Yeah. Or a sports team, you know, they, they, each person has a different position on the team, but when they function with the same mission, it's powerful. And, yeah. and so it is in, in the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. That's how he made it to work. And too often we think of it as like Lone Ranger sports or independent people yeah. just doing great things. But when God's all about unity, he's all about us being coming together. And when we do, we represent him and he loves to just pour his blessing on that. So gospel patrons really does bring together the business leader and the ministry leader to say, we're on the same team with the same heart, with the same passion. Let's run together. That's, that's amazing. Uh, I love it. I love the stories and the the video testimonies and the Q&A segment of your website because it just continues to attest there are so many of these people out there. And unfortunately, this is where my, kind of heart, my heart kind of breaks is because what we do here at CSN is try to really inspire and train up these pastors to first catch a vision for this, that this is not relegated to just a few people who may just need financial assistance or financial help or getting out of debt but that this is really part of our discipleship and that money wealth is what God has given us to accomplish the purpose he's given us. So it's not disconnected from our walk with Christ. It's right in the center of it. And as you saw in the gospel patrons, these folks just have the ability to do it at a larger scale. But the fact that they're aware of it and that God has given them that opportunity is because sometimes the project that God has for some are much bigger than just, you know, typical what we see day to day. Uh, they're big projects, and it's going to require someone who can step in and say, "I don't want the limelight. I don't want the. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not called to be that guy. I don't have the skills or the abilities, but yeah. I'm passionate about that, and and I want to be there to do that." Okay. So, what a wonderful partnership that God creates that way. Yes. So, it, when you wrote this poem back in October of last year, you addressed this need for pastors to talk about this topic, mm. um, and as I said, it just so resonated with me. It really emotionally moved me because that's something I'm very passionate about is helping pastors to catch a vision for this, that really it's almost helping them to, to become free, to not do this in any other, for any other reason. Because I think that there are so many barriers to pastors talking about money yeah. and all of those barriers. Sometimes it's just lies that they believe from the enemy. Others are just the practical things. Like I'm not a financial expert. I may be still struggling trying to figure it out myself. Yes. And what I love about this poem and what you re read through it is how it addresses all those things. So if you don't mind, would you read the poem first and then we can kind of sure. dive through it? Yeah, happy to it. The, the poem's called Pastors, Please Talk About Money. Mm. Here's what it says. Tell us what the Bible says. Read us the words that are in red. It's in our thoughts and on our minds. The world talks about it all of the time. Is money the measure of success or just the reason we feel so stressed? Is the eye of the needle really so small or was Jesus exaggerating after all? We know you get your salary from your people's generosity, 
and understand it feels self-serving to teach these parts that are unnerving, but unless you do, we will not grow to bear 30, 60, and 100 fold. Please carry the truth, carry the light and lift it high. We need to see the truth from lies. Don't tiptoe around, this issue is core. Don't knock politely, kick open the door. We have not yet seen the joy of giving and don't believe it's truly living to give instead of to receive, but you can help us to believe. These words of life are true for us and this world's treasures end in rust. We're not expecting you to be an MBA or CFP, but you have words of power to bring, God's living water straight from the spring. Be bold, be strong, speak like our Lord, whose words on money would never bore. We want more than budgets and charts. Please preach a message to our hearts. Grind our golden calves to dust and lift up the God we ought to trust. Come wake us up and set us free. We need you now, our pastors be. It's amazing. Love it. Love it. That was so, so powerful. Um, let's start with that, that first section. First of all, I just want to ask, why did you write the poem? What was, what was in your heart as you were thinking? I love pastors. I love pastors. I'm trained as a pastor and I get how hard it is to talk about money. I've been trying to find my way towards it and figure it out for the last 10 years. And I know that it's a, it's a great challenge. It's a great challenge to talk about it well. Money is talked about so badly a lot of the time and it gets really wonky. And we know from scripture that false prophets tend to talk about money quite a bit and they like it. That's true. But, uh, but that, that's not a reason for those who are truly following Jesus to talk about it well. And so my hope was to see, be sort of like a B12 shot in the arm for pastor to, or a pump up speech at halftime to say, you can do this. Let's go. This is really, really, really important. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, why do you believe pastors shy away from teaching on money and wealth? People don't often want to hear it. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that we know instinctively people don't want to hear it because money is an idol in their lives. And they'd rather say, don't talk about it and leave it, al leave it alone. Just l let my idol be. And I think that's one reason. It's not the only reason. But I think one reason is we know that people don't want to hear it. And so we, it's just more easy. It's easier. It's more uncomfortable to, to get into it. Yeah. Um, secondly, I think people... You know, it's, it's a little awkward, like I say in the poem, uh, we understand it feels self-serving to teach these parts that are unnerving. It, it can feel self-serving for a pastor to go, well, you guys give and support my salary. So I'm not just doing this in order for you to give more so I can get paid more, but it can feel like there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there. Yeah. And um, I think the third reason that it's hard for pastors to talk about money is the world's wisdom on wealth is very, very loud. And it can feel like um, a pastor is not qualified to talk about this because they're not a CFP, certified financial planner. They're not an MBA. They're, they're not a CPA. They haven't done all this extra worldly training on wealth. But nobody's asking a pastor to talk about wealth from a worldly perspective. We're, we're, we're called to teach the scriptures and the scriptures have so much to say about wealth and money and specifically the spiritual nature of these things and how they connect to our hearts and how they connect to the dance of the kingdom. Pastors should have a lot to say on that. But I think the wisdom of the world is so loud yeah. that it's sort of shaming almost to say, oh, don't, don't try to talk to us about wealth as if you know anything. You don't even have that much wealth. So who are you to talk about it? Well, I'm a servant of the king 
And the king gave me his word and he's given me his authority to teach it. And so I, I think we need to stop believing the wisdom of the world that they have the corner on the market when it comes to financial wisdom. Yeah. And we need to listen not to the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of the word. The other, the other side of it that I like to add is, you know, when a pastor equips his congregation, the people he leads with these principles from God's word, then that can help the people that are in the world trying to maneuver, navigate the financial uh, decisions and choices they need to make. Now they have a foundation to make that from. Absolutely. And without that, and this is what I want to say to pastors, you don't need to teach us how to invest. You don't need to teach us how to budget. You don't need to do any of that. Some people need that help. So you should have someone. It's not you, senior pastor. It's maybe right. a lay leader, somebody who's really passionate about numbers and wants to talk about budgets. I'm one of those guys. So if you want to know, come talk to me. I'd love to, <laughs> to share with you. But that's not the job of a senior leader. No. The job of a senior leader is really just to, to open the word, you know, to take it in and then breathe it out on his people so that people can really understand the heart of God, the principles that he's laid out. And then the practical stuff will make will make sense to us. We'll be able to decipher between what's true and what's a lie. And I think pastor, like you said, I think you hit it on the head. Those three reasons are definitely one of the major or the major reasons why pastors don't want to talk about it or shy away from it. But it, as you said in, in this, you know, um, yeah, it may seem, seem like it's self-serving, but without it, you know, you leave us without the information that's going to be life-changing to us. You yeah, know? Okay. I, I got to share a story from a mutual friend of, of yours and mine, Leo, uh, Chris right. Goulard, because I, when I first met Chris, Chris is a stewardship pastor at a big church in California mm -hmm. called Saddleback. You may have heard of it. Yep. And uh, when, I, when I first met Chris, he said something that really arrested my attention. He said that, that in our culture, money is the greatest obstacle to faith in Jesus. And the statement was so clear and strong that I said, you know, kind of, whoa, whoa, Chris, help me understand that. That's a really, you know, there's a lot of obstacles between people and Jesus and things that we treasure more. And I said, Chris, help me unpack that. And he said, well, it's pretty easy, actually. We're all familiar with the parable of the soils. And the sower goes out to see, sow seed. This is one of Jesus's most famous parables. Sower goes out to sow and he, he spreads seed on four different kinds of soils. First kind is along the path, bird snatch away. The second, the rocky, it doesn't have any roots. It, the sun scorches it. Third kind, the seed actually makes it into the ground, begins to produce growth. And then the thorns come and choke it out. And the fourth is the good soil. Seed goes in, springs up, bears 30, 60, 100 fold. Chris said that of the thorns, the things that choke out the word from being fruitful, from the 30, 60, 100 fold it's meant to produce, Jesus tells us exactly what those thorns are. And in Mark 4.19, it's the thorns are the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. And here I'm sitting with Chris at a Starbucks, and he says two and a half of those are financial. And I right. said, what? <laughs> he said two and a half of the three things that will choke out the word of God from producing the fruit it's intended to produce in each of our lives are financial. Yeah. And he said, cares of the world. What do people care about? money, <laughs> possessions, trips, tour, you know, retirement, whatever. And uh, he says, so check, deceitfulness of riches, check, desires for other things. What do people desire? He's like, we'll give that one a half. <laughs> it's like, okay, Chris. Or of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's significant that Jesus would say his word can be choked out because I don't, I, you know, it's, it's a wild thought that the most powerful force in the universe can be choked from accomplishing its purpose. Yeah. And the things that choke it out 
our financial. It's, it's, yeah. it's wild. And that, that really provoked me, that, that statement, and then being able to see it so clearly in Scripture. This is a conversation we need to have. The leading off of that, you know, Mark 4 should really be something that every pastor should probably read on a weekly basis, you know, because it says only the fourth seed was able to actually produce anything. The other three heard it, some were interested, some were not, some were well-meaning, some were not at all, but only the fourth one produced fruit. And we're told in scripture that faith without works is dead. So it doesn't matter how much we believe. It doesn't matter how much we intend to do. You know, the, the virgins were all waiting, right? The 10 virgins were all waiting for the, for the bridegroom. They all slept, but only five were ready. Mm-hmm. So we need to take that into consideration. And pastors need to understand that money is an idol. It is something that gets in the way. In fact, one of the, the statements I heard long ago, and it was either Howard Dayton or it was Larry Burkett that said this, that I first heard from, which was that money is the greatest competitor for our hearts with Christ. God. Yeah, so yeah. when it comes to the allegiance that we have toward Christ or mammon, in this case, money mm-hmm. or wealth, mm-hmm. that's the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest competitor because we live in a society where everything is so comfortable. In fact, the biggest threat, I think, to Christianity today is comfort. We have been yeah. so blessed that we don't know what suffering is. And when we do suffer, it's like, God, what are you doing to me? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for us to have that need for God. But yet, I believe pastors are in that prime position, a spot that God put them to continue to bring us to that truth. And no matter how evolved we become as a, as a, as a world and as a society, that the core of the truth of the gospel never changes. Right. That you know, progressive anything, it should not be at the risk of the word of God. And, and I love that what you're saying in this poem, uh, in, in one of those, you said, don't tip around. This issue is core. Knock, he says, don't knock politely, kick open the door. It's that kind of boldness that we want pastors to know that they can have because it's not their strength. It's not their wisdom that they're, that they're sharing. It's the powerful word of God who's able to divide between soul and spirit, marrow and bone, and accomplish everything it's intended to do. Right. And uh, so that, if I could say anything to pastors, that would be the one thing that I think they can't argue yeah. with that. It's yeah, right there I- in the word of God. Well, I heard a pastor years ago say, he was teaching out of the Old Testament, I think it's a story from Elijah or Elisha. He said, when people had idols, um, you know, in the Old Testament, literal statues that they're worshiping, the prophets didn't come in and tiptoe around the idols. They they came in and knocked them over, right? And I think we've lost a little bit of that prophetic edge in preaching a lot of the time. Oh, you don't really want us to talk about that? Okay, we won't, which is partly where that phrase in the poem was coming from this let's knock it over let's kick open the door we've got truth to proclaim and it's true it's it hasn't changed still true the other thing you say is that we uh, we not we have not yet seen the joy of giving and don't believe it's truly living right we hear that giving is more uh, blessed is more blessed to give than to receive right acts 10 35 but yet our practice isn't matching that reality yeah if you were to ask any christian on sunday morning do you believe that giving is better than receiving, that it's more blessed to give? They would probably say yes. Mm. But is it really true? Yeah. How do we I, know that? Well, and I was struck recently again, uh, a, a friend was telling me about their church building program and how the, the consultants came in to you know, talk to them about how to help their church be generous for this building program. And the consultants said, uh, you know, 40% of your church is probably not giving anything. That's just national average. Yeah. And my friend was like, 
well, no, not our church. We go to a really mature church, really established church. Definitely not. And once they finally ran the giving numbers, realized, nope, we're exactly at 40%. 40% of the people attending our church nationally give nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and why is that? Because they can't afford to give? I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I believe that their heart is treasuring something else. And so for us to tolerate that in a way that said, oh, it's okay for you to treasure something more than Jesus and his kingdom. Really, it's not okay. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. You you know, you, you can only have one master. And I think it's very, very loving for us to point that out for people, even if they get a little grumpy and upset and frustrated with us talking about it to say, this isn't about our church's budget. It's not about my pastor's salary. This is about your heart. And where is your heart at? Because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so I'm passionate about us seeing wealth and giving and generosity conversations as part of discipleship. It's not merely a transaction to fill up the budget so we can go do whatever ministry God's called us to do. It's about discipling people. And this issue was the most popular topic Jesus talked about over and over and over and over again. And it's not a class in most seminaries and it's not a sermon in most pastors arsenal. I want us to change that and equip and empower pastors everywhere to go. Let's make this something you're really good at talking about and preaching on. Let's make it something you look forward to and love speaking on because you see life change when you talk about this. Yeah. I think it's one of the most measurable things that you you can actually talk about and see if there's life change, right? You can talk about a lot of things and maybe it takes time to, to develop somebody and help them mature uh, spiritually and all those things. But when it comes to finances and I, this is, you know, I've coached on finances for over 20 years. And the thing that always blows me away, John, is how quickly God steps in when somebody's heart changes. Mm. You know, I've met people that humanly, it's not fixable. The, the mess is so great. The debt is so high. There's nothing I can do. And I literally, my heart beats faster. I'm like, God, I can't fix this. Mm. And then he reminds me, exactly. This is not for you to fix. That They're not here to listen to your wisdom or your budgeting skills. They're here because they need to turn around and they turn their hearts toward me. And when they do, I just see God. It's, it's almost like they're walking away from the Lord and the Lord's like way back here. And they take a step and God's like right here, like right next to them, you know? And it blows me away how quickly God just responds to that. And unfortunately, half the time, at least half the time, people see it as, oh, okay, relief. We're okay now. We don't need help anymore. Because again, it takes time to change the heart. But God is always faithful. And, and I love how quickly he steps in to help people in this, in financial things, but also to, to help them see the real blessing that comes from aligning their finances and their stewardship with his will. Um, you, you finish this poem with, grind our golden calves to dust and lift up the, the God we ought to trust. Come wake us up and set us free. We need you now, how pastors be. Uh, talk about that. <laughs> Well, you remember when Moses gets upset, right? With he's coming down the mountain, he's been meeting with God face to face on Mount Sinai. And he comes down and the people didn't like that he has gone so long. And so they cajoled Aaron to create a golden calf. And Aaron's kind of passive in that. He's like, oh, I just threw the gold into the fire and look what jumped out. It was a golden calf. And Mm Moses is so upset about it that he does, he grinds, he grinds the golden calf to dust and puts it in the water for them to drink. Basically saying, look at, look at how worthless and powerless your God is. 
this isn't the God I've, I've met the real God. And I, I think there's that call, that prophetic call to say, uh, we don't need, we don't need a soft sermon on money. We don't need a few suggestions and advice from a person who's apologetic that they have to teach this because it's in the Bible. We actually need strength. We need conviction that comes from men who've been in their prayer closet with God saying, I want to contend for the hearts of my people in their church, that they wouldn't be idolatrous in this area, that they would know and love and worship the true and living God and put their trust there not put their trust in their 401k plan or their retirement plan. Money sprouts wings and fly, flies away. It's uncertain. We can't trust it, but we can't, we have a better security. And so I want us to lift up the greatness and glory of our God. And I want us to break the spell over the enemy's lies. I feel like he's just dangling wealth, like you said, and comfort in front of us, just saying, shh, just go back to sleep. Don't be a 30, 60, 100 fold Christian. Just shh. Here, you can have a little more comfort, a little more luxury, another vacation, another few weeks off, an early retirement, a bigger paycheck, a nice vacation home, a boat, a plane, whatever it is. Shh, just go back to sleep. Just go back to sleep. But God has put us on planet Earth for such a time as this to live lives of 30, 60, 100 fold fruitfulness. And that's not just for some Christians. I believe that's for every Christian because that's what his word does. It's not us that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. It's what his word is meant to do when our hearts are good soil. So if pastors can hack away at the thorns that are choking their people out, I, I think they will see an increase in fruitfulness, an explosion of fruitfulness in their churches. And so that's what I'm saying. Come wake us up, pastors. Set us free from this spell. We need you now. Our pastors be, we're living in one of the most abundant and wealthy times in human history. And the government's throwing around a lot of money and lots of people are making a lot of money. And that's not everybody. I get that. There's some people in real difficulty and hardship, but there's a lot of wealth in the world and we need pastors to disciple their congregations, to wake us up from the spell, to set us free, to grind the golden calves to dust and elevate this great big God that Moses met with face to face and we can meet with as well. So just an exclamation point on the poem, I think. Well, it resonated with me, but I'm sure it resonates with everyone that's listening to this. It is a powerful message. It's one very specifically geared toward pastors, those that are in the pulpit on a weekly basis, in charge of really stewarding the hearts of people and helping them to trust the Lord, to put their faith in God fully and not in the things of this world. And pastors, we know that there's a lot of oppositions and there's a lot of fear but as John said, as we said in this podcast, it's, it's, it's not warranted. What you're, what you're being asked to do is no different than what you're talking about when you're talking about other topics. So if you can boldly talk about any other topic from scripture, because the scripture backs you up, you're in good company. This, this topic is also in scripture, probably more so than many others. And uh, I would encourage every pastor to take this poem, print it out, maybe put it on there phone or on their mirror in the morning and, and, and really seek the Lord. I, I, you know, don't do what John or I tell you to do. Follow the Lord's heart for this and let him bring wisdom and revelation as to how do you do this. Uh, one of the things that we know is it's hard to get started because if you've not talked about this topic and all of a sudden you do, people will look and say, whoa, well, why is my pastor all of a sudden focusing on this? What does he want? And it's natural, right? If, if as John said, if some of those people are have idols, you're going to start insulting those idols and they may be offended. But are you really concerned about them being offended or are you concerned about them being fruitful? 
Which one, which one is more important? And the other thing I would say is, as you talk about this topic over time, like anything else, when it becomes normal part of the conversation that we talk about it, it's just what we do, then it's not weird anymore. It's expected and missed if you don't talk about it. And so I would encourage you to just take that step of faith and seek the Lord, use this poem to motivate you to do that. John, would you close us with an encouragement to pastors? I tried to do that briefly, but I would love for you to speak to pastors directly yeah. and uh, just share with them your heart for, for what their role is and how they can make an impact in, in this kingdom. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, well, I, what comes to mind immediately is Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a call for courage. This is not a call for you to do something unbiblical or not a call for you to do something that um, you've never done before. It's a call back to courage. It's a call back to strength. And so anyway, pastors, I'd love to encourage you to be strong and courageous, to lead in a way that's loving your people. And sometimes love looks like challenging truth. Sometimes love looks like shepherding their hearts. Sometimes love looks like challenging idols. And so just want to encourage you to be strong and courageous. You can do this. God has equipped you. He's appointed you. His word is powerful. And I, I fully believe that when you speak God's word on money with courage and humility, not in a sense that you're trying to get something for yourself, but you're trying to give something to others, you'll create a culture. You'll begin to create a culture of generosity in your church. And who among us doesn't want a culture of generosity in your church? I think each of us would love to say our church is one of the most generous places I've ever been. People love to give. They give above and beyond. They're thrilled to give. They're happy to give. When there's a need, there's just so many people jumping on it to take care of it. These are the kind of churches we want. This is Acts 2. This is Acts 4. Selling fields. If you got a need, let's take care of it. Man, I want to see your church be like that. And I believe it's possible because we have the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit, the same gospel, the same Bible. Uh, This is what God does. But we need to hack away at the thorns by teaching the truth and teaching it with clarity and humility and boldness. And so, brothers and sisters, be strong and courageous. Keep true to the word of God and you will have good success wherever you go. Awesome. Thank you, John. Uh, And thank you for the poem. Uh, Again, it's something that I keep going back to just to stir my heart for the passion that God's given me to, to speak on this topic as well and to help pastors understand how they can do it. Uh, it's doable. It's more than doable. And I think your encouragement in, in this poem um, moves them along that path. So thank you for that. Take a, just a few minutes and talk about gospel patrons so that pastors really know more about what you do and potentially how they can uh, maybe utilize some of this, the, the resources and things that you're doing as they're ministering to that specific group of people in their church. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, um, you can find all of our resources for free on gospelpatrons.org. I would love to give that to you as a gift if you want to subscribe for you to get from us articles, videos, sermons, books. These will be ideas that will spark thoughts for you on how to communicate on wealth and generosity in a biblical and hopefully in an inspiring way. And so we have a wealth of resources. We've interviewed different business leaders, different scholars even, Um, uh, who are talking about these things, the role of business people within the kingdom of God, the role of wealth and money and generosity to advance the gospel. And we have articles, films, videos, sermons, all that stuff is available on gospelpatrons.org and you can subscribe. And when you do, you'll get a kind of the list of the best five pieces of content we've ever done will come immediately to you. And then after that, you'll get an email every two weeks. And so we're creating new content all the time and trying to give it away for free 
Our ministry is funded by a small handful of families who want us to generously give these resources away for you for free so you can spread them and share them and use them. So all that's available at gospelpatrons.org. I am, you can pray for me. I'm writing another book right now about the different gospel patrons in the New Testament and want that to be something that pastors could use in a year or so when that would come out for pastors to go, how, how would I preach on this really well? How could I disciple the business leaders, the professional people in my congregation? How could I talk about wealth and generosity in a way that's biblical and story-driven and inspiring? Uh, that's the book that I'm seeking to write right now. So I'd love your prayers about that. It's intimidating and exciting all at the same time, but I want to equip you to tell the stories of scripture in really, in, in really compelling ways. And so you could do a whole sermon series, just take a different chapter of the book and go chapter by chapter and do a whole sermon series for eight or 12 weeks uh, through the various New Testament stories that we see. So I'm trying to research and call, call the data there to tell those stories really well. So that's something I'm working on. I don't know the title yet for what that book will be, but uh, if you're subscribed to our email list, I'm sure you'll hear about it. Uh, so yeah, we love to serve business leaders. If you have business leaders in your congregation or professional people, whether that's lawyers, doctors, nurses, entrepreneurs, we wanna equip you to um, share with them the truth that we have and feel like they're not alone. And so if you could uh, point them to some of the resources on our website, I'm sure it would be a huge encouragement to them as well. So it's something that we wanna equip you to empower and equip others. So that's, uh, that's all available for free at gospelpatrons.org. Yeah, that's great, John. Yeah, and this is what I want to highlight is that pastors who are trying to figure out how to actually minister to that group of your congregation, which something can be very difficult. You know, there's always yeah, a, right. a, a bit of a, I think, trepidation for the pastor to talk to a business person that may see, they may see as successful in the, in the business sense, but yet the business person might say, well, he's a lot more spiritual than I am, and I'm not sure that... So there's this unnecessary divide, I think, that the enemy has put in place, and it doesn't need to be that. We need to tear that down and really connect the pastor to these leaders and just help them see what God's called them to. And many times, because they're in your congregation, God has a purpose for them, whether it's to do something from the church and fund some project or actually help the vision and carry out the mission of the church. Um, this is so important for us to realize that it's a discipleship opportunity and we cannot miss it. Uh, you guys do a great job of resourcing churches with this topic. So thank you for that. Uh, John, again, thank you for the time. Uh, you're, you're an incredible uh, man of God. Uh, I love what you're doing. I love that you're hearing the heart of God and that you're pursuing it. And it's evident in what you're doing and what your team is doing. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to share this uh, incredible uh, poem and inspiring poem to pastors. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Leo. It's been joy. And God bless you at CSN and all that's ahead for, uh, for your work. Thank you. And I want to thank those that are listening today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We appreciate your time. Uh, if you want to know more about what John's doing, again, go to gospelpatrons.org and you'll find free resources there, everything from articles to videos uh, to books that will help you to understand how to talk about this topic and be just really inspired to see how many great stories they've captured of people that are doing this. Uh, it's really addicting to watch all this and it just stirs you up to be generous and to talk about it and to, to spur others to do the same. Uh, so you can get those benefits from there. If you want to know more about what we do as an organization, christianstewardshipnetwork.com. We'd love to serve you. If you're a pastor, come, come to our forum event. It's coming up in just a few weeks, uh, the beginning of March, March 7th to the 9th. We would love for you to be there to learn how you can do this effectively in your church and how to really inspire a culture of generosity in your church. 
Thanks again for being with us. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader.